in downtown Ottawa or downtown Toronto. You might have to, you know, compromise the location for cash flow. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. So today I'm going to be interviewing Alfonso Quadra, who is a real estate investor. Can't wait for you guys to meet him. He invests in apartment buildings in the Ottawa region and, uh, and so much more. We actually met for the first time, I guess, when we were doing Dave DeVoe's event online. And I wanted to bring in an expert to share our opinions on what's happening currently in this crazy chaotic market the economy and uh, and all of the the myths that we're also hearing out there to try to decipher some of that. So Alfonso, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's amazing. It's amazing the relationships that you can build, right? During this, these times. Yeah. You know, I, I heard somewhere, and I believe it's 100% true, is that people that you will remember the most are the people that helped you during times like this. And then you'll also remember the ones that didn't help you. And that's going to once this is all said and done, you'll, you'll know who your friends are. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, I've been telling this people for the past month. It's like, it, it's not whether or not we're going to get through this. We will. The question is going to be, how are you going to look like at the other side? <laughs> Absolutely. And this right? is also, unfortunately, where we're going to see a lot of speculators, unfortunately, lose a lot. So before we get into all of that, can you tell us a little bit about you, your bio, your background, and you know, when it comes to real estate? Well, you know, I've been in business for about 24 years now. Um, I started as a result of uh, a life-changing moment in my life. I had a daughter at 17. At 15, going back a little bit uh, before that, at 15 years old, I was homeless. I came from a war-torn country uh, in Central America and uh, became homeless at 15. Life-changing moment at 17, became a father. And uh, I started a business at 21. I was uh, a millionaire. My business was across Canada. And I realized how vulnerable businesses are, right? During 9-11, I was a, a business owner and an investor. And I realized like all the businesses, a lot of businesses were just non-existent afterwards. And so there was a lot of opportunities during that time. And also I discovered how vulnerable my own business was. And I also almost lost everything. And I wanted to look for another avenue, a business that was indestructible, Armageddon proof, right? And that's why I went through, uh, that's why I went to, to real estate. And I pretty much, you know, based on 9-11 and 2008, my experiences, I've made my business Armageddon proof. And, you know, I stayed away from the Airbnbs. I stayed away from the luxury properties. I stayed away from the hotels or retail or mini malls and plazas. I pretty much built a portfolio. It's pretty much cookie cutter, apartment buildings, the more the merrier. And all across Canada, different provinces, and even now I'm starting to see the benefit of that, having deals in different provinces, because every province is, uh, is dealing with this current situation differently, right? And so, you know, some provinces I, I'll think, oh, this is like, you know, kind of really, really strict, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I also can offset with some other provinces that are li a little bit more lenient. Uh, I have properties up north that there is no cor uh, coronavirus. And um, for the most part, that's been my life. It's pretty much apartment buildings. I own hundreds of units all across Canada. 
And I'm happy to report, Sarah, that we've collected about 97% of our rent. And I think it's because of the strategies we follow. That's incredible. So 97% is probably like typical month regardless if you have hundreds of units. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but we, we, we knew that the, from March 15th, we've been communicating, hammering, calling, talking. You know, I had one tenant, they're like, well, I called EI and they put me on hold for eight hours. I said, your job is to be on hold until you get an answer. That's your job, you know? And so like some people just, you know, you need to, you, you need to be very proactive. It, there's no, this is not the time to put your head in the sand and, you know, just throw, throw your hands up. It's the time to be proactive. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I know uh, I have friends with student uh, housing. The entire floor is cleared out, right? I have friends in the hotel industry, done, nothing. Airbnb, gone. And so those type of specialty markets, for, for whatever reason, I've always stayed away from, even though they, they were very lucrative. Like people like, oh, Airbnb, Airbnb. And I always said to myself, you know what? I love that strategy and I stay at Airbnbs all the time. It just doesn't fit in my, my model, my Armageddon model, right? And uh, this is what's what I'm finding now. That's really interesting. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that you've said that I want to kind of dissect a little bit. But I, yeah. I think just to go back to one of the first things, I'm like, oh, I want to ask you about this. You're investing in a lot of different provinces and you're seeing a lot of different things. Can, can you just give us an overview of like, you know, which provinces are, are really, you know, helping maybe investors the most or landlords the most and which ones you're seeing that, you know, hopefully they, they step up a little bit? Well, uh, I'm seeing, for example, the communication from the premier is important. And uh, I don't know if it was a slip of the tongue, but here in Ontario, we had our premier tell people, you do not have to pay your rent. And to me, that is, uh, I'm not a politician, right? I'm not a politician. I don't, I'm not pro parties, but you have to realize what a single statement can do to uh, an industry, right? And so we had to combat that and, and, tell, and bring people back to reality where it's not true. You do have to pay your rent. Even if you don't pay your rent, at some point the rent is due because a lease is a legal binding contract, right? And so you're not going to the grocery stores and taking food. I mean, not paying your rent is a form of theft, right? You're, you're breaking the law. And so they're like, well, what can we do? Well, you can go to, you can, you know, legal aid. There's a lot of benefits out there, right? So I think the communication is key for the provinces. I think some provinces are doing a better job in that communication. For example, I have properties in Saskatchewan and the communication has been fair. Of course, there's, there, there's, we have to be sympathetic. We have to understand the situations and, and, and where we are, but you know, I never heard, don't pay your rent. <laughs> I know, yeah. that's the thing, it gets twisted. And then you have all of these groups that say, oh, you know, rent strike, rent strike, this and that. I mean, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of the time, the people that are suffering are the small landlords that have one or two properties and they probably lost their job just like the tenants lost their job. And, and that, you know, second or third property, this is going to be interesting times. So one of the things I do want to ask you, and you said you, you've made it Armageddon proof. Can you give us some specifics and some details so that, you know, the listeners can take some things away with them to say, okay, this is what I need to change in my business moving forward, or I need to adapt ASAP. So cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And it's a word that we all love to say, and everybody says it, 
but sometimes we uh, compromise on cash flow for appreciation, right? And you know, for the most part, I've always been a cash flow investor, and it doesn't matter for me. Number one is the cash flow, like cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And so, Armageddon proof means you need to have enough cash flow. What does this mean? Well, your property may not be in downtown Ottawa or downtown Toronto. You might have to, you know, compromise the location for cash flow, right? And so, I've always been a cash flow investor, and for the most part, what does that mean? Well, secondary markets. Now, we will see an opportunity coming up, and we can talk about that as well, uh, Sarah, where now you're, you're, you may be able to pick up, you know, properties in A markets, A properties in A markets that will cash flow. But for the most part, I didn't even bother looking at those deals because they just never cash flowed for me in the way that I needed to. The most important number in real estate, as you know, is the number of units, right? The number of units, the more units you have in a particular property, the more Armageddon proof that you are, right? For example, if you have a, if you have a triplex and two people are having problems paying the rent, now you're in a situation where all of your cash flow is gone and now you have to dip in your pockets to, to, uh, to pay for these rents. So I'm not like a, a huge person, but the average deal that I make, it's probably around 20 units and up right? Between 20 to 50 units is kind of my comfort zone. Anything after that, I, I, you're competing with REITs. And so 20 to 50 units. Now in my 20 unit building or my 36 unit building, if three people are having issues, not paying their rent, well, I'm okay. It's a non-event for me, right? I'm not going to lose sleep over, or, or, over that. So cash flow, creative secondary markets was mostly my strategy. Yeah, 100%. I always told people like, I wouldn't even look at Toronto. I wouldn't look at any of those markets, just unfortunately, because they didn't cash flow. And, and there's a lot of people are like, yeah, but the appreciation is, appreciation is great. Or they bought pre-construction hoping that they were going to be able to rent it or sell it. Like once it's done, I, I think a lot of those people are going to unfortunately have to sell very urgently. Or as soon as you've got tenants that are paying $3,000 rent, and then you've got a $2,000 check, well, that's not all going to rent regardless. A lot of people are going to start I think defaulting in those big cities. But what are your thoughts on on that? And and you mentioned opportunity, right? But one last thing I remember, and I tend to forget things, so I need to get it, <laughs> I need to get it right away. But another thing, and for whatever reason, I never liked the luxury market, right? I don't, I don't. My prop. Most people say, look, I show them my properties, or they're like, well, those are not like the best properties to look at. It doesn't matter. They they provide me cash flow. I don't go. You know, I definitely don't go after you know ODSP and social assistance. Not there's nothing, not that there's anything wrong with that. Just for me, it's not part of my model. But I also don't go after the luxury markets. You know what I mean? Like two thousand plus rent. My average rent is around a uh, thousand to twelve hundred bucks, and so that's kind of like the blue collar in the middle. And for the most part in this industry, because I'm talking to a lot of my colleagues out here, those are the only people that are paying the rents. Why? Because EI gives you $2,000 a month, regardless of what your salary was, right? And so $2,000 a month, you have $1,000, pay your rent, and the rest, you, you survive for the rest of the month. And so to me, in hindsight, it's not like I was planning for uh, what were a pandemic. Nobody, I don't think anybody, except yeah. for Bill Gates, he apparently knew. <laughs> well, he knew, but he still didn't, he, well, he probably knew about it because he stepped down from Microsoft. He's like, I'm out of this, I'm out of here. But, uh, 
No, but uh, at the end of the day, nobody, how do you plan for a, uh, you can have a special pandemic reserve? You know what I mean? No one did that. Uh, but you know what we did do, Sarah? We have a vacancy reserve that was very conservative uh, based on what, whatever the, the, the vacancy are, our vacancies were in the marketplace. I've been training for 14 years, and I've always told people, it doesn't matter, regardless of the Ontario vacancy rates are 1% or 2%, always use 5 Always have repairs and maintenance. Always have your property management budget. Always account for uh, capital expenditures. Always account for these things so when something happens, you can weather the storm. Because I went through that in 2008. And so, yeah, so I didn't want to cut you off, but I just wanted to, to add Yeah, this. no, some great tips for sure. So what are the opportunities that you see coming in? Obviously, none of us have a crystal ball and, you know, we don't know anything for sure. These are our opinions, but what's yours? Uh, Sarah, were, were you investing in 2008? I started in 2013. Okay, so 2008 was a very funny time because before 2008, uh, and I'm going to talk about the U.S., but it all things that happen in the U.S. kind of, you know, Canada kind of lags afterwards, and we get affected as well. Um, of course, we have privatized banking, and the banking system is very different. And for the most part, for the past three years, Canada has been getting ready for something like this. As you, you probably could tell, there's more rules and mortgages, uh, stress tests, and what have you. Those are all things to keep people in the barn kind of thing, right? And so 2007, 2006, everybody was kind of like, it was just like crazy, crazy, crazy town. I remember friends of mine, they would get mortgages. I'm like, how did this guy get a mortgage, right? And so all these things were happening. Then 2008 happened. And the only mortgages in Canada that, you know, I'm talking about apartment buildings, that they were allowing insured mortgages, CMHC mortgages, right? CMHC needs to underwrite the deal and they would do that mortgage during that small window, right? And so no one was able, no one was buying multi-unit properties. And so this was an opportunity to go in and negotiate something that was outside of the norm, creative, right? This is when you get, you can do your lease options. This is where you can do your vendor takebacks, all that stuff, which I was doing before anyways, right? Now, the opportunity is now you can be more creative. Because of the special, the multifamily, most of the values are based on the income it provides. And so I'm not too worried about like a huge, to see a huge drop in real estate. I'm not even expecting that. I'm just more looking forward to the creative deals that I'm going to be doing in the next year or so. And so that is the opportunity where some sellers needed to sell and for whatever reason they, they couldn't. Now they're like, we really have to sell because it's scary for, to, be, to not know what's going to happen next as a result of all, all of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned VTBs because I've been saying this, this is going to be a good opportunity for, for potential good deals with VTBs where somebody might want to stick to the price that they originally wanted to sell for. Then all of a sudden you see a 20, 30% market drop. I mean, I'm predicting this. I don't know for sure. Yeah, and well, that's what, yeah. and they want the same price, right? And so, so suggesting something along the lines where they hold the mortgage instead of getting the financing could, could be an option and you can make the terms work for you. But there's going to be other opportunities, I think, as well. I think there's going to be opportunities in the A markets. And I want to go back to that for a second. Oh, yes. what, are your yes. thoughts, what are your thoughts on that? Well, A markets, what, whatever wasn't cash flowing, because people were buying speculation alone, they're in trouble, right? These are, not, these are people that are not going to be able to sustain. Uh, April 1st, whew, we made it. 
But it's not, it's not April that's going to be the issue, right? Because they were working for like probably half of the month regardless. This yes. coming May and June. Yes. And June is going to also be an issue. You know, Warren Buffett has a, he has a quote that says, when the tide goes out, you find out who's naked. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Unfortunately, so, a lot of the Toronto investors that invested within the last few years might be left that way. Yeah. And not, not because, not, like I said, I definitely want to be sympathetic to anybody that's going through some hardship right now. I mean, a coronavirus is not only deadly, but in terms of the virus itself, but there's a lot of people that are gonna be committing suicide as a result of this. I mean, uh, like people's finances are gonna be just wiped out, you know? And uh, as investors, it's not, about, it's not about taking advantage, but there are opportunities that you can capture regardless of the fact. Right? Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because, and I think I think a lot of the listeners already know that ultimately that like that comes first, health comes first, family comes first. You know, yeah, we're yeah. doing real estate because of those things. Um, yes. But but it's not all doom and gloom, and there's still some opportunity. And like our roles is to show that opportunity or, or at least have those discussions around it because it's it, it is real life whether we we like it or not, right? So I mean, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Again, these are our opinions at the end of the day, and. Yeah, like no one has a crystal ball, right? But the opportunities that I see, you know, for the most part, uh, when, when you see a 30 to maybe even 40% price reduction on, on properties, we're, that is going to be mostly seen in the housing market, right? As you know, the housing market will take the biggest hit. In the bigger cities, these, these uh, the bigger apartment buildings, I would say that uh, those people already calculated and they have reserves available. Some people, some people don't. Condo markets are going to see, are going to see, take a big hit as well. People that were speculating, you know, buying a property, hoping to, 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 to sell it or, you know, whatever before it's built, like pre-built condos or things like that, those are going to take a hit. And so this is your opportunity as an investor now to now switch gears. You could be in a position now to pick up some single family homes. Uh, 2008, I was in the U.S. Even though I stay away from the single-family homes, this is another great time to maybe look at a single-family home that you can flip, because that that could be another uh, opportunity. Where now things start to make sense in the A markets in Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver. There could be something else happening, uh, Sarah, because of our banking system. It could be, and let's let's play both sides here. It could be the whole entire world is scared, and they're still going to want to come to Canada and put their money here, even though there's no, there's no mortgages or what have you, you know? So th there's also that, that side of it as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And I do want to add, because a lot of people are asking me what's going to happen, what I think is going to happen. But, uh, you know, I think part of the things is we need to look and, and do our own research on the data, right? So like how many people are losing their jobs? Are those jobs, are they going to come back to those jobs? Right. What's that unemployment rate? And then what are we doing with the borders and what are we doing with the immigration? Is that continuing as planned or has that is that going to be halted for a while? So I, I think to me, that's going to determine a lot of that supply and demand that's yeah. going to happen. In addition to the people that saying, oh, you know what, Canada has a little bit safer financial guidelines and I'd rather invest my money there versus somewhere where I'm going to like literally lose it if I leave it in the bank. Yeah, that could probably be the case too. And and hopefully, I think we need that to, to keep our economy propped up. Yeah, you know, the, there's a lot of money that's going to be thrown around. I think there's a... Okay, so what what are the governments trying to do right now? They're trying to stimulate the economy. Right now, they're, they're trying to sustain the economy. 
and then they're going to move to stimulating the economy by throwing money at it, right? Throwing money at it. And I think, like, think about this, Sarah. We're indoors for three months, let's call it. And uh, all of a sudden, you get people get all this money that, you know, tomorrow is the day to uh, apply. I have 11 companies, right? So for sure, I'm applying for I'm applying for all the whatever's available to me as, a, as an investor, and as, a, as a, an entrepreneur. I do have a payroll. I employ a lot of people. And for the most part right now, I haven't had to lay anybody off, right? Uh, and so I want to continue that. I want to continue to pay the bills and keep the light on and whatnot in, in terms of our businesses. And so at the very beginning, I think when we're allowed to go outside, and if you can imagine this, it's like, uh, people, have you been to the grocery store? Okay, so this is going to sound horrible, but like I've been sending my chef to go for me and then my boyfriend. <laughs> I haven't gone out for like three weeks. Okay, so I, have, I didn't go out either, okay? And then this week I was at the grocery store. It's so weird. It's like you're in a movie. I've, I've heard and I've seen pictures. Yeah, look, look, people, I'm smiling at someone from across the way and they're like turning away like, you can't get coronavirus from smiling at someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, but, but it goes back to like, I think a lot of people lost their jobs, depressed. And unfortunately, it's going to go back to the suicide rates. And, and so my, my boyfriend is actually a police officer. So oh, wow. here is what's going on. And like, that's definitely starting to creep up. Like he's not in that yeah. per se, but like, it's real, unfortunately. Right. So it's like, then you have like, like all of the people that have, mental you know concerns and they're potentially on de- like depressed and they can't really do anything about it they can't go anywhere and then all of a sudden like you have to weigh is it better to have corona increase a little bit versus like everything else because there's other things that people are going to have yeah. Yeah. coming out of this yeah and, and so like what i think what's going to happen when we're all allowed out it's going to be this kind of like you know like ah, people are going to go out there wearing linen you know uh <laughs> hugging each other and what have you. And, and then there's, there's money available and jobs are kind of like restarting. And so there's going to be like a, 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 an overwhelming feeling of like everything is good now. We're all in the, in the safe zone now and everything is good. And I believe somewhere either before Christmas or after, after Christmas. Remember, no one has a crystal ball, right? But someone will ask the question, hey, guys, how are we going to pay for all this? <laughs> Okay, so so that is has been a concern for me too because here's the thing: if if people are taking their their bank deferrals and their mortgages are getting deferred for six months and then they're getting EI for yeah like, four, I don't think all the jobs are going to still be here. I don't think all the companies are still going to be here. And and so what's going to happen in six months when they've deferred? I think there's going to be some issues at that point in time as well, where now all of a sudden they still don't have jobs. Now their yeah. EI is done. Okay, so now what? Yeah. And they've got extra. So now what, this is what I think, okay, based on, you know, my experience. Again, I don't have to, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have, you know, you know I just, can, I can see the writing on the wall, okay? We're headed for hyperinflation, okay? And so the best place to be during hyperinflation, as you know, is in real estate, right? Yes, and because of all the key with the quantitative easing that they're doing, they're printing a lot of money. This is exactly what happened in the U.S., if you think yeah. about it you know, back then, back up and you're right. Real estate goes up with inflation. (laughs) Yes. So, so it's the best place to be in. So like I said, what are the things that you can do right now? What can you do right now to make your situation better? Because this, that's what this uh, podcast is about, right? That's what you're, you're trying to provide people with tangible things that they can use. Number one, accept that nothing will be the same again. 
right? It's very easy to go be in denial, right? It's like, well, it's going to get better and don't worry. No, 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 no. Start accepting and working towards what you can do. You know, what can you cut? What is unnecessary? Plan not to take a, a, a summer vacation. Whatever you have to do, this is not the time to be in denial. This is not the time to, to uh, say it's going to get better. Be, uh, of course, we get, need to be positive, but you need to ask yourself, how can you make the situation better? So but it's realistic too. Positive yeah. mindset will, will get us through this, but let's just cut the BS and be realistic too. Exactly, with- exactly. Nothing will be the same again. So whatever you, your life was a month ago, that's not going to be your life at the end, uh, at the end, at the other side of this. Okay. That's number one, accept, acceptance, stand in your truth. Number two, number two, this is the perfect time to build relationships. As you know, uh, Sarah, I reached out to you. I saw you on the webinar and I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting person. You know, I'm going to reach out. Right. And now we're doing this podcast as, as a result of that. This is the time to build relationships. All the people that you know, your investors, your potential investors, you know, were they were too busy to take your call. Guess what? Now they're all sitting at home, <laughs> right? This is the time to build those relationships and not for a, for a monetary reason, but also just for your own sanity. Just like, you know, talk to like-minded people, people in the industry. I'm, I'm reaching out to all, a lot of colleagues. I'm like, okay, so how are you dealing with this? And how are you dealing with that? And it's just another way to solidify your business. And then number three, number three, I, I would say, Get ready. Be in a position where you're, you're, you have cash, cash on hand, because that, that right now, this is where we're headed. We're heading into a situation where lending is going to be very difficult. I was talking about 2008. I don't know if I got to the point where lending pretty much uh, disappeared. And so cash, cash, cash. Be in a position where you, if you don't have cash, how can you refi? And right now I've been working on some refis, you know, money's cheap. The problem is people can't get into properties. They can't do inspections. They can't do appraisals. Well, are you going to, are you able to use the, the, the impact? Okay. We'll use that. Boom. Let's refi it because the money's cheaper than it's ever, it's ever been. The problem is no one can use it. It's like gas, right? Gas is, you know, how much is gas? I, thought, I think I saw it at 57 cents, but no one can go anywhere. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she's works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, 
but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. And now back to the show. <laughs> I know, that's the thing, right? That's, I mean, and that's the, that's the issue. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other get ready, thing... Get ready. So get ready. Absolutely get ready. And so what are your thoughts about mortgage deferrals? I would not use that as a, as a cash flow strategy. Absolutely not. If, if, you are in, if you're an investor that believes that your tenants, if they have the capability of paying their rent and they don't, if you, if, you, if you think that's wrong, it's also wrong for you to get a deferral when you don't need it. 100%. I personally, as an investor, I don't believe in doing it unless you absolutely have to do it in order to keep your property. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here are absolutely. my concerns. My big concern with it is, like you're going to want some opportunity in the next six months as things will, will show up and there are going to be some great opportunities in my opinion. You're going to defer your mortgage payments. Do you think the bank is going to loan you on something new? <laughs> or no, do you think sure. going to be able to refinance? You know what? One of the things that I do want to add, I, I got this like amazing tip from my, my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsu, is if you don't need to do it, but you, you are cash strapped, if you're in an advanceable mortgage, like Scotia or RBC or something. And you can, so oftentimes you've actually built up a line of credit that you don't need to requalify for. You just call your bank and they give it to you. If you take that to pay the mortgage with, essentially for every dollar in an advanceable mortgage anyways that you, you pay in principle, you have a dollar of HELOC that opens up. Yeah. You can actually recycle it. I mean, it's going to cost you a little bit in interest, right? As the interest payments. Yeah. But it's a really good way to not have to fork up the whole amount you're, you're reusing that ability to take the HELOC yeah. out. Anyways, like I would say, talk to your mortgage brokers about it. Yeah. But like, it's a great strategy and you can, essentially you're deferring yeah. a majority yeah. of your payments for six yeah. months yeah. if you want to do that or There'll more. Be, if you think you're, there's not going to be a consequence, I mean, think about people that are, those people that are starting those, those groups that don't pay your rent or whatever. I mean, I, I think I saw a list going around Rent uh, any yeah. yeah any 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 instigators of that instigators the instigators that are that are like you know they're they're being put on a list that's going to prevent them from getting uh, uh, rentals in the future and so you know what we all made commitments right no one knew this was coming but at the end of the day try to honor those as best as possible uh, I think it's not a cash flow strategy there is going to be consequences credit I mean. You want to borrow more money, but you just took, took a deferral. I think the people that don't take deferrals, okay, when you go and ask for more money, they're going to say, wait a minute, look how you operated your business. During this, this the hardest of times, you still were okay. These are the type of people we want to lend to, right? Absolutely. And even like private lenders, or if I'm loaning out my RSP, and as an example, like I want to have somebody that's that's been able to sustain these types of times. 
And this is the time where like, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to be years. Like, I think we just have to hang on for six to nine months, my opinion, but there are different strategies and the strategy is not always deferring your mortgage payment. And the strategy is not always not paying your rents, but you know, like this is the time I think be resourceful, think creatively, you know, if you can refinance to, to help you sustain that time, go ahead and refinance while you still have a job. If you're concerned about potentially losing it, now's a good time to do it. It also takes like eight weeks <laughs> to refine now just because of the whole backlog. But there's definitely things to do. But I, I think it's, it is like you said, Alfonso, the people that can go through this. And of course, we're all going to get dinged a little bit on something, yeah. right? Like it's not fun times for anybody, but, but that shows resilience. But that also shows that your business can withhold and withstand um, the turbulence because this is not yeah, going to yeah. be the only time this is going to happen. It will happen at some point again in the future. Every yeah. so often shit happens again, right? This yeah. is global shit. <laughs> shit hits the fan. <laughs> well, exactly. there's something I didn't even consider until last week. I started to get a few emails and direct messages from people that you know came to me. They wanted to invest. They transferred their money into self-directed accounts to invest into real estate. I got, thank you. Because you helped me do that once. And I've been against the money markets for a long time. And, you know, a lot of, I took the gate your stuff out of there, put it into self-directed, put it into real estate. And as a result, like uh, one guy uh, said to me, you, you saved me about $300,000, right? Because the, the, the market took a hit 30%, right? I mean, I like... I'm always a big proponent of investing in real estate regardless. Like even my, so my paper assets, like I've transferred them to community trust or Olympia trust to loan them out. Cause I'd rather decide how much like interest I'm going to earn. And like, I like to have the control of like figuring out where I want to loan it on. And then I do have like quest trade that some stuff, but it's like fun money. Like if I lose it, I don't care about it. You know what I mean? But like the real estate game, I mean, it just goes to show you that if you do it right, but you also plan for the worst. So plan for the best plan for the worst. Armageddon proof. Exactly. Because it could be very bad also. So I, I think that's the other part. And then screening tenants, right? Especially in places like Ontario. I, I was listening to something where like uh, somebody's got like an eight plex and all the tenants decide to write, rent strike on the eight plex and not pay anything. That, that really sucks, right? There's going to be some really horrible things that will happen. But, but if you plan ahead with some contingencies as much as possible. In communication. You screen your tenants and you communicate. And you are a good landlord too. Like, unfortunately, this is a time where a lot of like tenants are like, you know what? I don't like my landlord. They screwed me over on this and this and this retaliation. And you don't want, you don't want to see that, but like you can see it happening. And it's, so, it's, it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. And there's, to me, there's two sets of tenants, right? There's the tenants that like truly will not be able to pay. Happy to work with them. Different story. And there's the tenants. Luckily, I don't have any of those because I scream my tenants like crazy before they come into my properties. And I do treat them well. But there's going to be, some, unfortunately, some tenants that will use this as a, a reason to just skip payments. Unfortunately, sometimes, just like other people are going to use their mortgage deferral to skip payments too when they don't truly need it. Same thing. Yeah. Well, I'm talking to some lenders and they're like, listen, we had one guy just did a a refi pulled out 400,000 and now he's asking for deferrals. Like you just pulled, I mean, like, like how dare you kind of thing. Right. And yeah. um, those people, like if you need it, like you don't want to make the situation worse. Right. And also, you know, knock on wood, like everything has gone okay uh, for you as well. But there is people that people in the hotel industry, restaurant industry. I mean, there's people that are, are really, really in, in tough shape in terms of entrepreneurs. And um, my message for those people is like, you know what? Do whatever you got to do 
take advantage of any type of deferral, anything possible out there, and just make sure you're standing, make sure you keep your mindset right, and know that all of this is going to pass, and keep fighting, you know, keep at it, don't be in denial, this is not the time, fight, fight, fight. Yeah. And again, that's a different type of person too, right? Those are truly the people that, that should get that help from, from the extensions and the, yeah. and the uh, funds that we have. So yeah. I do want to ask you one thing, because you mentioned Airbnb uh, and you mentioned Airbnb may not be, but let's define what that means. Because to me, I, I might have a little bit of a different view depending on where this sure. Airbnb is. Um, but why do you think Airbnb was not the right solution? And then what market do you refer to when you say that? Okay, so basically, uh, Airbnb was something that came onto the marketplace, and I've been doing uh, I've been doing workshops for 14 years. I've been trading on real estate for a long time, and when this came uh, when this came into the marketplace, I was just like, number one, it's just like Uber, right? Some cities allowed it, some cities didn't. Now they're starting to come around, but there's laws and payments. The very first market that I saw that that happened to was Montreal. So Montreal completely stopped the Airbnb and they put in laws. And that was before Ontario even thought about it or anybody else. I mean, Quebec was like, you know, this was like four years ago, right? So I'm like, that seems very volatile because I, I don't, there's only certain things that I can control, right? And my investments, the appreciation, these kind of, uh, the, 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 the fact that you can do Airbnb, all these things, it's like gravy, right? But my model needs to cash flow regardless. And so what, what I was finding is what I was finding was that anytime I looked at a property that, okay, could I do Airbnb in it? You know, like, is it, is this a possibility? Then it started to be like, okay, well, it doesn't work because of where it is. And so I wasn't going to chase an air Airbnb opportunity. If it's something that I could do, I would do. And I am looking at some opportunities of Airbnb, but that's the gravy, right? Because if it goes away, I should be able to go back to traditional because that's been always my model, right? It's just like traditional rents, thousand uh, to twelve hundred dollars a month, and so where a lot of people were making a lot of money. And I have to tell you, I was jealous a little bit. You know, I was like, you know, what? I, I want to do that. Then I talked to the insurance company. No, we don't want that. Don't you dare touch that or whatever. And then the and banks don't like the financing them either. <laughs> exactly, your, your your lenders are going to drop you. So I was like, okay. You know, I just, I won't, I didn't, I just never, uh, it was never part of my business model and um, never knowing how could I know a pandemic it was going to, it was, a, no one could know this, but those are the people that are, that are being hurt right now, right? Because it's such a, you know, at the end of the day, people need food, water, clothing, and a roof over their heads. 100%. So here's my thoughts on it. And I agree that some Airbnbs are going to not do so well, the ones that rely on people traveling and coming into the markets. Personally, I think the cottage Airbnbs are going to do well as people are not traveling so much out of country anymore. And they may say, I'm sick of being in this apartment or the condo. I need to get out and have some space. So I think that's going to do well. And then the other thing I was thinking of, there's going to be, unfortunately, a lot of divorces coming out of this, I think. (laughs) <laughs> I think so. Okay. So, I mean, hopefully we're not, we're not ones of that, you know, hopefully our yeah. relationships and, and all of you guys are good, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a real thing, right? Like being confined 24 hours a day with somebody else, like you can only take so much. So at some point, these people will say, you know what, I'm out of here. And before I need to like really look for once we're allowed out or even before 
before I really look for something to be there more permanently, I just need to get out. And so I'm thinking yeah. like there could be a strategy with Airbnb where it's like even vacant, like nothing inside, you know, bring your stuff, like what you want. And then it's like temporary. And at least you get paid up front. And you don't have to worry about the tenants not being able to. Yeah, pay no, I agree. But, I agree. But I think there's going to be some different opportunities. And I will say Airbnb I was looking at the website yesterday. They're offering quarantines places. No, they're offering, offering grants. This just came out of $5,000 to a super host that qualify. So you'd have to have like two or less properties if you can show that your income has been dramatically decreased because of that. And I thought that was really good. And there's like no strings attached. They're grants. You just have to prove that like, you know, your income has been affected. Like obviously if you have 20, you don't really qualify. Um, But I thought that was really cool because they're like, they're actually showing to me that they're caring about their customers. Yeah. And as landlords, we don't get a lot of that from the government in general. So when I look at what Airbnb is doing for us, I'm like, maybe I should just turn a few more of my properties into Airbnb. Hey, yeah. you know, you have, thing, uh, have a lot of, uh, the, you do a lot of Airbnb. I have a cottage at Airbnb, uh, triplex. And, uh, I was, I'm, I'm doing a, a burr on the Burlington one. I was thinking of Airbnb that depending on what happens with the market, don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but yeah. I was going to move into it. I think we're not moving. We're going to stay in Oakville for now. But <laughs> well, here, that's another thing. If you want to pick up a cottage, this is the best time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I think like in like another month, a month or two, I think it's going to be the best time because if that's exactly the same thing, right? People have two houses and they're like, crap, I, I'm unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of work anymore and I'm going to have to liquidate something because I need the cash. They're not going to sell their primary. They're going to sell the luxury, right? The cottages and that kind of stuff, the boats, you want to achieve both. No one's going to be lending on cottages. So I, I want to say there's a great opportunity for seller financing. You can yeah. probably go in there have cottages like 100% seller financing. 100% seller financing. Because then that becomes an income for the, that becomes a, you know, like a tax deferral strategy for the, for the, for the seller. And also it becomes a bit of an income for them to, you know, to yeah. offset what they've lost. That's a great point. So again, Airbnb, I think is going to do well in certain markets and certain types of properties versus others. I, I just don't think you can rely on like the, the people coming in for tourists and stuff like that this year. My thoughts are. I definitely agree. For me, it was just never a, a strategy. It just never, I know there was a strategy that existed. It was there, mm-hmm. but it's just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, my mind didn't accept it. Right. It was just like traditional. I know what I know. Right. And, uh, and I did, I, w- I wanted to try it a few times, but I was just like, okay, well maybe later or what have you. It just, it just never came about. Yeah, no, exactly. But just like m- many other strategies, right? Like if you're investing appreciate, like hoping on appreciation, that's probably not the right strategy in this market. And there are some Airbnb properties that are not going to be unfortunately in good shape when this is done. So it's uh, it is quite interesting. So any tips or final words of advice for the listeners in, uh, in this crazy chaotic time? I, I would say no matter what your situation is, we're all gonna get out of it. This is not gonna go on forever, right? And so the question is gonna be, how are you gonna look like on the other side? For example, Sarah, I'm happy to report in the past two weeks, uh, I've lost nine pounds. <laughs> nice, but, okay, good, what right? are you doing? Working out? But, no, just eating better. You know, you can't go to the gyms anymore. The gyms are closed, but I'm just eating better. I'm I'm doing more person because that's what I can control, right? I don't think people should focus on the things that they can't control. Accept those things and just, you know, go after the things that you can control. You can control the, what's going into your mind. You can control what you do with your body. 
you can you can control the your finances don't put your head in the sand and know that all of this will pass you are not only going to be stronger better more creative you're, you're going to thrive after all of this absolutely great words of advice it's about mindset right and they say that with real estate too 95 percent is mindset yep yeah. Awesome. Alfonso, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to have to have you on. There's so many things we could have talked about and taken in so many different directions. I know. I know. And think about it. We just met, right? I mean, it was just like, uh, that's how you build relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, get out of your comfort zone and, uh, and reach out to somebody on Instagram or Facebook. And maybe what you'll, you'll develop some great friendships throughout all of this chaos. And, uh, you know, ultimately, just stay healthy stay inside. This will pass. It will be part of history at one point, but it's not going to be our, our world like this moving forward. So thank you, Alfonso. Guys, if you like these types of podcasts, please feel free to rate, review the podcast and uh, send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks, Alfonso. And uh, see you guys next week. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.